A reminder to our podcast subscribers, Howell Creek Radio has moved to a new location. You should visit howellcreekradio.com to be sure that your podcast listening software is properly set up with the new address. This is reminder three of four. This is the Howell Creek Radio address for Saturday, November 24th, 2012. I'm Joel Duick. there the weather was unusually warm in Robbinsdale. 60 degrees Fahrenheit in November. Warm enough that my optimistic parents made plans to have Thanksgiving dinner outside on the lawn. They even set up tables and chairs outside on Thursday morning in deliberate spite of a wind advisory that was issued the day before, but all in vain. By the time we rang the dinner bell, Gwen was the only one stubborn enough to protest that she'd rather eat outside despite the stiff gale blowing 40 knots out of the northwest. By the time the sun had set, the temperature was near the bottom of a 40-degree freefall, and the snow was falling sideways. Everyone has those times in life that they remember, if they remember them at all, solely to celebrate the fact that those times have been left far behind. I can supply a couple of examples of my own the rained-out camping trips, the year we moved from Superior National Forest into an inner-city neighborhood of Minneapolis, and a particular raking job I took on at age 12, which took me four full days and for which I was paid five bucks and a hamburger. But there's something about that first temperature snap in early winter that recalls the worst times of all. The Michigan and Minnesota winters I spent working in construction eight, nine, and ten years ago. Here's what I wrote about it in January of 2004. Now the manner of November in Minnesota is on this wise. You wake at five o'clock and in two hours you are at work. It is still dark out. You pull the vehicle up close to the job site and leave it running with the headlights on. This allows you to see the vapor of your breath as you attempt to set up tools and extension cords. You have five layers of clothing on, not counting your jacket. Your gloves render you utterly void of dexterous ability, yet somehow fail to prevent your fingers from getting numb. At 10.30, there is a break. It is still dark out. The lowest man on the totem pole is sent to the nearest gas station to get a snack for everyone. He is inevitably a fellow of extremely poor taste, and usually brings back a 12-pack of Mountain Dew and a box of cheap white powdery donuts. We stand around and eat them in front of the headlights, watching our vaporous breath curl up and vanish away, robbing our bodies of precious heat. At 11 o'clock, the sun rises. There is a lot of mad dashing about as everyone scrambles to make the best use of the limited sunlight. Measurements are called out. Power tools are fired up. Small tools, such as chalk lines, pencils, and screwdrivers, are scattered hither and yon all over the job site. Neatly stacked piles of lumber are reduced to discombobulated and clumsy piles, all lengths and sizes mixed together. Sawdust accumulates rapidly. At 12.30, a late lunch is taken. 
When everyone returns, they are full, lethargic, and not inclined to labor or quick action. But as the cold air works its magic, everyone is soon moving quickly again in order to stay warm. At two o'clock, the sun sets. Extension cords and air hoses lie in a great confused net that may wander through two stories and parts of the roof system. In the failing light, the carpenters struggle to maintain the illusion that they are making reasonable progress. At 2.30, the headlights are turned back on as dark sets in again. Punctually at 3 o'clock, a crisis occurs. It usually involves either a large mistake being discovered that requires immediate fixing in preparation for tomorrow's work, an unexpected early delivery of either trusses or shingles, both of which require immediate placement while the boom truck is still on hand, or complications involving large amounts of freshly poured concrete. There is a lot of hollering while the crisis is in progress. The vehicles are running, the compressors and power tools are still going full tilt, and it's hard to hear what anyone's saying. And of course it's hard to see in the dark, and four out of five men have lost their tape measures. A large amount of quick, spur-of-the-moment tool borrowing takes place. The crisis lasts until 4.30 or 5, except twice a month when it may go as late as 8 in the evening. But on normal days, the men stop at 4.30, wind up the hoses and scare up whatever missing tools they can find. As the skill saws and compressors are turned off, the wind can be heard moaning through the trees as everything is packed up. We can now hear each other too, although usually everyone is quiet by this point. We head home for dinner. It has been a good day unless it has rained or snowed, in which case our tools are ruined and will require care and maintenance after dinner in the garage. The End Thanks for listening to Howell Creek Radio. I'm Joel Duick. The second part of this address is from a post titled Dratted Days, which I published in January 2004 on my personal website. Trixie and I have just finished a new design for that site and relaunched it under a new name. You should check out the local yarn at jduick.net. You can find a link to that site and send your feedback and listen to all past, present, and future episodes of Howell Creek Radio at howellcreekradio.com as well as find us on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs>